0: Welcome, everyone, to Daf Yomi, One Week at a Time, Masechet Nazir. Um, today is our eighth lesson. We are getting towards the end of Masechet Nazir, and uh, this week we are going to be reviewing Daf 51 through 57. Um, we are still talking about uh, Tumat Met, which is, right, impurity from a dead body, Um And uh, our DAF, DAF 51, um, discusses other things that convey uh, corpse impurity. Uh, So not only a full dead body, um, but even the dust of a corpse. Now, it's important to understand that we're talking about a corpse that has decomposed. Uh, The Hebrew term is rekev, uh, and that is... um, when the the corpse has decomposed. So the Gemara says that um, when does it convey impurity? Um, Only if the person was buried without any clothing, which means that the decomposition is only of the body and not anything else. Um, And uh, the body needed to be buried either in a marble coffin or on a stone floor, meaning no part of the coffin has decomposed. Um, but if there are other things that could have decayed with the body, then that dust that is in the ground, it does not convey a uh, corpse to Ma'a. Um, so it would not make the Nazir uh, impure, like a, you know, like touching a dead body. Um, the the Gemara continues and says that this Rekev is only from flesh and sinews and bones. As I mentioned, um, it's the decomposition of the body. It is important to note that if a body is um, ash, meaning if it's cremated, Um, It does not seem to give uh, to uh, impurity uh, like a dead body. So that's just interesting to understand. Um, The Gemara says that only decayed flesh, if it's only decayed flesh without any bones, it does not convey impurity, Um, but if you have bones and flesh, uh, then it does make a person impure if they touch this. Um, if two bodies were buried together, then the dust is not uh does not convey impurity, only one corpse. However, if they were buried separately and then decomposed separately, and then you mix the, the this uh dust together, um so then um then it does Uh, make a person impure if they touch it. Um, If a person's hair was cut after they died and then they were buried with that hair, uh, so now the dust that has all decomposed um, is not does not convey impurity because hair that was attached to the body is part of the body. So if it all decomposes then it works, but if it was cut off afterwards, now it's seen as a separate entity. And now that when that decomposes, uh, it uh, does not convey impurity. Um, teeth, hair, and nails. Again, we're talking about a body that decomposes. If the body is full and decomposes, every part of that will convey impurity. However, if there were things that were detached from the body, meaning after the person passed away. So, as I mentioned, teeth, hair, nails. Um, So if they decompose with the body, again, if they were removed and then were placed with the body, uh, then that um, that dust that decomposes is not going to be uh, conveying impurity. Um, Interesting, the Gemara asks, what about the heel? of your foot why do they ask that because most people have dead skin already on their the heel of their foot uh one could think that that's already seen as not part of the body then when the whole body decomposes we have something that was not originally part of the body um, but the gemara says no um meaning as long as it's all together, uh, then the the that dust of that uh, body is does convey impurity. Um, the Gemara asks again. Our our idea is it has to be only uh, only that body. Um, the Gemara asks, what if a woman, unfortunately, let's say, uh, dies and she was pregnant, so she's now buried with her fetus within her, um, is that seen as one corpse? And then when it decomposes, again, that um, dust is seen as conveying impurity? Um, Or is it seen as two entities, uh, and therefore, when it decomposes, it does not convey um, impurity? so uh, the Gemara doesn't really answer this question. It adds more questions, right? What if um, they ground up a corpse into dust? As I mentioned, that it does not convey corpse impurity uh, to Matmet. The only thing that would uh, would convey to Matmet is if the body decomposes on its own, right? It needs to have decayed on its own, then it will convey uh, the impurity. Um, what if they ground it up and then it decayed? Again, the Gemara says, teku. We don't really have an answer to that question. Um, what if the corpse was missing a limb uh, when it was buried? Um, so then, um, the, again, the dust does not convey uh, impurity and the earth around the body doesn't need to be collected meaning we're not concerned about excuse me about the the dust that or the dirt around uh, around the grave um so to the opposite of that a severed limb from a living person does not create rekev again rekev being that uh the dust of a decomposed uh body um let's say a person was buried with, uh, with the severed limb, meaning uh, it was placed together maybe in the coffin. Um, does that produce rekev? Um, and the Gemara says no. Um, again, uh, that severed limb was severed from a live person. Therefore, uh, it does not, when it decomposes, it does not convey uh, to Matmet corpse um, impurity. Um, okay, so the Gemara talks about now, since we're talking about whole and versus uh, uh, things that are missing limbs, uh, so now it goes to um, dietary laws, and it says that if a person eats an ant, right, an ant is very tiny, but it's a, a complete being or creation, um, so if you eat a whole ant. You are liable because you ate an ant. <laughs> but um, let's say uh, right again, even if it's very small, right? It's not a kezayit. It's not the the sheer. It's not the amount that would normally make a person liable. But because it's a complete being, uh, the person is liable. Um, so the Gemara asks, what if you ate an ant who was missing a leg? So is missing a leg. The ant is missing a leg. If the ant is missing a leg, is it still considered a complete being or not? Um, and uh, Da fifty two tells us that the the Torah teaches that you can't eat, you know, shratzim like creepy crawly uh, insects. Uh, and it uses the word with them, bahem, with them. And the Torah says that that me or the Gemara explains that that means that they need to be whole, Uh, but it also uses the word mehem, from them. That seems to mean that they could be partial. Um, So the the sheer, the amount of eating these bugs or insects um, is the size of a lentil, which is pretty small, Um, but our question with the missing leg uh, is not resolved on this duff. The next thing we discussed last week was other things that make a person impure, specifically the Nazir. Um, So uh, we're up to the spine and the skull, right? This seems to be a very important part of the skeleton. Um, So the Gemara asks, does it mean you have to have the spine and the skull, or is it the spine or the skull? So. Again, we're trying to understand what would make a nazir impure. Um, So the Gemara says that if the majority of ribs—again, we're talking about a skeleton now—so if majority of the ribs were removed from one side, so and they're not there, so then this skeleton will not convey uh, tumat met, this impurity. But if the majority of the ribs were broken from both sides. Now they're broken, they're not removed. Um, So it would have to be from both sides, then it would not be impure. If it was broken only on one side, it would still convey impurity. Um, But it seems that in the grave, uh, if everything is buried together, it would uh, convey this impurity. And it seems to imply that it's seen as all united in the grave. So now we were talking about the ribs, Uh, so uh, those of you who know that the ribs are attached to the spine, this seems to prove that we're only talking about the spine, Uh, and then it seems that it would be either or, Um, or, no, maybe even though we were talking about the ribs, uh, you also need the skull as well in order to convey uh, the tumat met. Um, so Rabbi Akiva and the sages disagreed about six things um, if they conveyed impurity or not, um, and the Gemara says that he actually retracted his opinion afterwards. Um, and then um, they brought this box of bones into the shul, and the doctor said, right? They they looked at the bones, and the doctor said um, there isn't a spinal column from one corpse here, uh, and therefore, it seems to imply that he was only looking for the spinal column or I should say the the spine, Um, and therefore, that seems to imply that you only need the spine and not the skull, and the Gemara says, no, maybe he meant skull and spine. Uh, We mentioned these six things, so what are the six things that they argued about? one is a complete limb that was taken from two separate corpses, meaning um, half the limb is from one corpse and the other half is from another, um, but together they create a whole limb. Um, again, Rabbi Kiva said that it would convey impurity. Uh, the sages said it would not. Um, a limb from a living person, but again, from two separate pre- people, um, A half, a kav, a kav is a volume measurement. So a half a kav of bones from two, again, from two corpses, it seems to be saying if you have that measurement from one corpse, it would convey impurity. But if you don't, then it wouldn't. Uh, And here Rabbi Kiva wanted to say that these two corpses combine to convey the impurity. The sages say that they don't. Um, again, a rivi'it, a quarter lug of wine, uh, sorry, of blood, um, um, again, from two corpses. Um, uh, another thing is a piece of bone that is a bone that is the size of a, a barley grain, again, which is very small, but again, made up of two corpses, meaning not from the same body, but from two separate bodies um, and spine and skull from two bodies as well. Uh, and here the Gemara says spine and skull or spine or skull. Um, and again, as we mentioned, all of these things will make the Nazir impure, uh, except for the bone the size of a barley seed, uh, that would not do it. Um, Rabbi Kiva did not retract the, uh, quarter log of blood from two bodies, he felt that that still did convey uh, impurity uh, to the nazir. Um, And now we have a machloket between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel on the amount of bones, again, the volume of bones that would convey um, impurity, uh, so one is that if you have a quarter kav of bones, and it has to be at least this is Beit Shammai, it has to be at least at least two bones need to be in there. Uh, that will convey not only if you touch it, but if you're under an ohel, under a uh, an enclosure, uh, that would make the nazir impure. Um, Beit Hillel say a quarter kav of bones. But it has to be from the majority of bones in a body or a majority of the frame of a person, meaning many more bones than what we suggested before. Um, Okay, so now the Gemara says, again, as I mentioned, um, this idea of the bones is it from the skull and the spine as well? Um, Is it, again, only from? the rest of the body but if you have the spine and the skull then even a quarter kav would make you impure or there's no difference meaning bones are bones there isn't like more important and less important um daf 53 tells us that uh shammai says even one bone from the spine or the skull will make the nazir Tameh, impure, uh, and this seems to be extremely stringent. Uh, the rabbis say, no, you need a half a kav, not a quarter, but a half. Uh, that would make them uh, impure, or maybe even a quarter of a kav uh, will make the, the nazir impure. Um, so the Gemara actually tells us that this was an ancient dis- disagreement between a half a calf and a quarter of a kav, um, and if it makes a nazir impure or if only it prevents a person from eating the sacrificial meat, the kodshim, um, that would be an issue, uh, but it wouldn't necessarily make the nazir impure. Um, Again, there seems to be three opinions here. The third opinion is based on a tradition uh, from the last prophets of Chagai, Zechariah and Malachi. Okay, so let's continue on Da 53. Uh, We mentioned that the Nazir shaves for all these things except for the bone the size of a barley. And if he touches, again, these things, he becomes impure, but not ohel, meaning these things that we just mentioned are too small um, to create impurity in an enclosure. They have to be actually touched. Um, uh, From here, we're going to talk about other things that could make a nazir impure. Uh, There's something called um, an even sochichit. Uh, and this is an overhanging stone. Uh, it's in the public domain. It's basically like jutting out of a um, of the wall, you know, in a public domain. And there's a corpse under one of them. And then the nazir isn't sure if he uh, walked under that stone or not. Um, this would be what we call safek tuma Right Meaning impurity that we 're in doubt about we 're not sure if the Nazir walked under that stone um, and therefore the Nazir does not shave for this um this uh, safik, this I, this doubt um, he does shave as we mentioned for half a calf of bones but not a quarter of a calf um, and again, uh everything that we said, all the things we mentioned. Uh, the bones uh a, a half a log of blood um and again a limb from a dead person or from a live person um these are um these are not going to make him impure um a sealed tomb um so a sealed tomb is going to make uh is going to make a person impure what do i mean if there is at least Um, A tefach, right? A a tefach is a hand breath. If there's at least a a tefach space between the uh, dead person, uh, the body, and whatever the the person is buried in, let's say the coffin. uh, So that creates um, impurity and it doesn't get sealed in, meaning the impurity goes up. And down, down is generally not a problem, but up is a problem, which means that um, the Daft 54 tells us that this impurity goes up and down, which means that if you walk over this grave, you become impure. Uh, Again, it's important for me to say that uh, for nowadays when we don't have the temple, this is not really an issue. Most people are uh are impure um because they've been either in contact with have been in a cemetery um this really is not problematic for nowadays however as we're discussing nazir if a person is a nazir that would be problematic right the nazir is not allowed to become Tamemet, so to a priest a kohen right therefore um a Kohen generally does not go to the cemetery. Uh, if they need to, they tend to be uh, you know, in the like in the street or on the edge where they are not going to accidentally walk over a grave. This is the reason, right? The reason is that the impurity goes up from the grave. Therefore, if you walk over it, uh you will become impure. Um now, so too, um, because this is called a sealed uh, grave even if you walk over part of the grave but the actual body is not there right so let's say if the coffin is this big but the body is smaller even if you walk over where the coffin is uh that also projects uh tuma'a. it also projects the impurity um okay um as we said again um okay when So now the Gemara says that when does, let's say the Nazir becomes impure, uh, when does the Nazir who's impure start his count again, right? So when a Nazir becomes impure, this, the count stops, that we lose the days that came beforehand, and we um, restart the count. So the Gemara asks, is it on the seventh day? So just to remind ourselves the purification process. Um, the Nazir will shave, uh, shave their head. Uh, they get sprinkled on on day three and then on day seven. And then on day eight, they bring a korban, a sacrifice. So the question is, do they start counting the root from day seven when that's really the end of the purification process? Or do they have to wait till day eight when they bring the sacrifices? Um, So, the Mishnah says you start counting right away, therefore, uh, this seems to imply right away after the sacrifices, and you start on the eighth day and not the seventh day, okay. Um, Okay, the next Mishnah discusses um, cases where a Nazir does come into contact with um, something that potentially can make them impure, but in these particular situations, the Nazir does not go through the purification process, meaning they don't shave and they don't lose the days uh, that they were counting. So, sorry. um, The first case is overhanging branches um, Right. So, if you have a tree, uh, we actually had this in Queens. Uh, there was a Jewish cemetery on the side of the road, and there were trees that went. You know, w- you know, half the tree went over the side of the cemetery, and the other half of the side of the tree went over the street. Uh, and it was actually a problem for a kohen to walk on the street because the overhang creates an ohel uh, and that is problematic. Um, but here, our case is that there's an overhanging branch, but the Nazir doesn't know if he passed under the branch that was over the corpse. Meaning, did, did he actually um, pass under the problematic branch? That is the issue. Uh, also, those projecting stones that I mentioned before from the wall, um, the other is, uh, if you remember, the concept of a Beit HaPras. Beit HaPras is a field where there was a grave, and then they they forgot that there was a grave there, and they plow the field, and that basically scatters the bones all throughout the field. Uh, so the idea is that even if you walked in the field, you're not sure if you walked over a place where there was a bone, um, okay, here, the next uh, category is um, which means any country outside of Israel. Don't get upset yet, um, but uh, here the sages said, uh, or they decreed that um, the land outside of Israel is impure. Uh, we're going to discuss what this means uh, and we'll we'll discuss it in a minute in the Gemara. Um, next, the cover and the walls of a grave. Um, these are the stones that cover the grave um, and a rivi'it of blood um, and a quarter kav of bones. Again, this is a smaller amount than we mentioned before. Uh, therefore, they are going to convey impurity, but not strong enough to make the nazir uh, tamemet that he has to shave and do the whole process. Um, and also the last thing is vessels that touched a dead body um, and a leper, a mitzora. right? All of these things, if a Nazir touched these things, so they do become impure, but they don't need to shave and bring the sacrifices. And I, as I mentioned, they get sprinkled on day three and on day seven. Um, they do not lose the previous days um, and they start counting right away um, as soon as they become um, pure again. Um, if a Nazir became a zav, uh, remember a zav is a person who has a, an unnatural emission um, or a mitzorah, uh, if the, the Nazir became, uh, had got leprosy, um, these impurities do not make, uh, again, do not forfeit the days of the Nazir uh, and the Nazir continues counting all the way through. Even though they're impure, they're not impure uh, from a dead body to tumatmet, and therefore the nazir continues on uh, counting. Okay, So now the Gemara is gonna go through each of these cases. Uh, the tree, the schach, the tree over the ground. Again, we said the branch which had a dead body under it. Um, we're not sure, again, uh, which branch the nazir went under. So too with the stones that are protruding from the wall. Um, okay, let's get to our controversial statement: chutz uh, uh, la'aretz, which means any country outside of Israel, um, is uh, impure. What does that mean? So the Gemara asks: Is it that we're talking about the airspace, and there's something? Um, about being outside of Israel that makes a person impure. Uh, And here, uh, the Gemara seems to imply that it does not mean real impurity. It means that the sages were trying to discourage uh, Jews from leaving Israel and from going to other countries. Therefore, they said, if you go, you become impure. Uh, Or is it that there's something Physically in the dirt, the earth of outside of Israel that will make you impure. Uh, And here the question is maybe um, people buried dead bodies, um, you know, in various places. One Midrash, one explanation is uh, that after Noach. Right after the great flood, uh, basically, there were bodies that were buried all over the world, uh, but I guess not in Israel. Uh, and therefore, wherever you walk, there might be a dead body. Uh, and that's why you would be impure. Um, but again, so that is our, um, that's our machluket. Like, is it real or is it just figurative? Um, so the Gemara says, well, wait a minute, the nazir. If he goes out of Israel, um, do they need to be sprinkled on three and seven? Meaning, do they get sprinkled uh, if that's the case? So then it really means that we're concerned that there are dead bodies there. Um, and the Gemara says, no, um, the the Nazir does not get sprinkled on. It's just a decree. Uh, it's not uh, physically. Uh, going to give you uh, impurity, I guess not physically, but uh, spiritually, but uh, not really. Uh, it's more of a philosophical concept than a real concept. Um, so uh, the Gemara continues on Da 55, um, right? It's a machloket. If a person enters, uh, right, if a person goes out of Israel and they're in a Closed trunk, right? We've seen this before. I don't think that people walked around in closed trunks. I think this is more um, like a theoretical, right? If I can construct a case where you don't step on the ground, um, did you become impure or not? Um, So the Gemara says, uh, is the person impure? Again, is it airspace or the actual dirt? Uh, the Gemara says no. Everyone agrees it's actually the dirt, meaning we're concerned that uh, there are dead bodies buried all over the place uh, and not marked. Um, and here the makhlukit would be um, if the trunk itself, if you're moving it, does it create an ohel oh or not? Right? Does a moving Oh, hell count as an oh, again. Oh, hell literally means tent, but it means like, if I'm moving and, you know, the, and the trunk goes over a dead body, uh, does it create uh, an oh, hell? Um, so the Gemara says, no, uh, that can't be the case. It must be. We have to go back to our original assumption that it's really just a decree. Everybody knows it's really just about the airspace. And the question is, is there a decree? If the person went in on a, in a trunk, right, obviously this is not a common way to travel, um, and therefore is there a decree on that or not? Um, so the Gemara asks, right, if you go in a trunk to uh, outside of Israel, uh, you will remain pure, you do not become impure, but if you go by ship or a wagon, those are the common ways to go, uh, you do become impure. Um, If you stick your head and most of your body outside of the trunk, you also get uh, become impure. Again, this shows that it's about the airspace. Um, The days of, um, um, okay, the days of being a leper, a Mitzorah, um don't count for the Nizirut, uh only for right the 30 days of Nizirut. But if it's a long Nizirut, uh they do count. Uh, and this seems to imply uh that we're talking about um um a the idea of having to shave your head. Again, an a, a person who is a mitzora. Who gets leprosy must shave actually their entire body. As we know, this is problematic for the nazir. Uh, Therefore, if it happens in the middle of a short Nizirut process, then they have to wait another 30 days so that they have the hair is has grown back. If you're in a hundred-day Nizirut and it happens at the beginning, you still have more than 30 days for the hair to grow back. Okay, now we get a, a challenging case. Uh, the Gemara asks, what if a nazir um, wasn't sure if he became tameh? Right, it's called safek tumah. There's a there's a doubt if they uh, became impure, and there's a doubt if they have tzaraat, if they have leprosy. What do they do? So the Gemara on the top of fifty six says. Um, They can eat from the sacrificial meat from Kodshim after 60 days and they can drink wine and become uh, impure, meaning they end the Nizirut process after 120 days. Um, So just to explain how this works, um, basically, as we know, right, to become pure from uh, the mitzvah from having tzorah, you need to shave your entire body. Um, and you shave twice, the beginning of the process and the end of the process. Um, and this shaving overrides the nizirut, right? So if you're in the middle, you have a problem. So how does it work? Uh, but if you have a doubt, it doesn't necessarily override the root. So what do we do? So basically, you need to wait 30 days, and then that completes the nizirut, and then you shave, and maybe you're pure, um, and maybe you had tzarat, so then you keep shaving, Uh, and basically, um, the Gemara goes through all of the ramifications, how it gets to um, various processes of shaving, waiting 30 days, shaving waiting 30 days because maybe you were if, maybe you were a leper, maybe you were impure, and only at the end can you do the last 30 days of the Nizirut. So it only ends at the end of 120 days. Um, but uh, if that's if the Nizirut was for 30 days, right, that's the minimum. However, If the Nazir was a Nazir for longer, right? So let's say the Nazir was for um, a year. So now he can only eat from the sacrificial meats, right? He only becomes pure after two years and he ends the Nazirut after four years, right? Because you keep having to do another year and another year and another year and shaving in the middle. so that is uh, our uh, doubt case, which is a little bit complicated, but uh, I think very interesting. Um, okay. The uh, as we mentioned, the days of the zav or zava, right? If there was a um, a an unnatural emission, um, those days uh, you still become impure, but in a different way. So those days count um, as part of the Nizirut. Okay, next, Mishnah on Da 56. If the Nazir is impure uh, and he needs to shave his head, you cannot go to the temple um, and... um, Right, because he is... um, Ah, and he can't go to the temple. Sorry, one second. Um, If he doesn't need to shave... Then uh, he is not. Uh, ah, I see. Sorry. If he a Nazir touched something that is as uh, severe enough to make them have to shave, then that means the person is so impure that they cannot go to the temple. If they're on a lesser level of impurity, right, that doesn't need for the person to shave, then they're not liable for going to the temple in in that state of impurity, again, because it's generally because of a doubt. Um, Rabbi Meir says, no, uh, you are liable. Even if you're on a lower level of impurity, you're still liable for going to the temple um, in this uh, state. Um, The Gemara says that we have the same idea. Uh, but quoting a different teacher. uh, And it seems that the Gemara teaches us here that any teaching that has three or more um, people who transmitted it one to the other, you only quote the first and the last, and you don't have to quote um, the people in the middle. Um, Okay, next Mishnah. If a Nazir shaves, for touching a barley-sized bone, um, even if it doesn't transmit uh, um, the impurity because of an OL, then Rabbi, this is basically a question that Rabbi Akiva asked um, two rabbis. Um, he asks um, Rabbi Eliezer, right? Can we learn one thing from the other? Meaning. A nazir who touches a bone, a very small bone. He does become impure and needs to shave. Therefore, maybe a revi'it of blood um, should also make the nazir shave. And we know that it does not. So the question is why? Why can't we learn one from the other? Rabbi Eliezer says, we don't learn a kal vachomer here. Uh, Just to review, kal vachomer means when I... Compare two things, one stringent and one lenient. I can learn, right, if this is the case with X, it must be the case with Y. Uh, And Rabbi Eliezer says um, um, that uh, we don't learn that connection. And Rabbi Yeshua says, um, great idea, that would be very nice, but we don't learn a um this type of law from comparison to another type of law, meaning one of them is learnt, uh, what's called le moshe misinai, meaning it was taught to Moshe. On Harsinai, meaning it's not necessarily based in the text, it's a tradition that we have, and therefore we cannot learn one from the other um, because they are not comparable. Uh, the, on Da 57, the Gemara asks which one is it the bone or the blood? Which one is the Halakha Moshe Misinai, the one that came from tradition, and which one was learnt? From logic, Um, and the Gemara concludes that the bone is halachalamoshemi Sinai, and the revi'it, the quarter of blood, is kalvachomer, and we cannot learn one from the other. Okay, with that, we finish the seventh chapter. Uh, we are going to learn the last da for today now, da fifty-seven, and begin a new chapter. So uh, that's it for dead bodies for this exact moment. Um, but um, here we have um, we have uh, the next case. Uh, the next case is that we have two uh, nizirim and uh, they're standing together, and a person comes up to them and says, I saw one of you, uh, and you, one of you became impure. Um, and I'm not sure um, which, one, which one became impure. Again, here we have a suffix. We're not sure which one became uh, impure. Um, so what do we do? So the, the Gemara, the Mishnah explains that they finish their Nizirut, meaning they count the 30 days, um, then they both shave their heads and they bring two sets of sacrifices, one as if they were impure, one of them, and the other as if they are pure, right? Because one of them is pure and one of them is impure. And basically they each say, right, they bring these two sets of sacrifices, and they say, if I'm right, each one, uh, each one says, if I'm impure, then these sacrifices are for me. And and the other set is for you. Um, and the other ones, right? And then he says, if I'm pure, if I'm tahor, this set is for me and the other set is for you, right? So we make this condition um, and they bring the two sacrifices. Now, we still need to count another 30 days because the impure Nazir hasn't done 30 days of Nazirut. They, it was all canceled because they became impure. So now they have to count another 30 days, shave again and bring one set of sacrifices, and again they say, right, if I was impure before, then um, the the impure set of sacrifices then were mine, and this set is mine as well, because now I'm pure. Um, But if I was pure beforehand, so then this set of of sacrifices is for the other person, right, because they're bringing them together. Okay, so now the Gemara explains um, what's going on here. Uh, so first, we're going to discuss the concept of a doubtful impurity, right? Uh, we have a rule that if there is a doubt about impurity in Rishut HaRabim, in the public domain, we say that it is pure because uh, it's public and we just say it's pure. If we have the same question but in a private domain, we say that it is impure, right? The the way we say this is right. Safek tumah in Rishuta rabim is tahor, it's pure. Safek in reshuta yachid in a private domain is tameh. So now the gemara wants, wants to ask. Wait a minute. We said that there are two Nizirim plus a witness. So that makes three people. Three people makes it a public thing. And if there's a doubt in a public area, nobody should be impure. We should say that everybody is pure. So the Gemara says, no, it must be that the witness is not standing with the um. The two Nizirim, the two Nizirim are here and the witness was a block away. And the witness says, oh, I saw that, let's say, something impure was kind of thrown in your direction, uh, but he wasn't standing there. And now it's only two people. So if it's two people, that makes it a private domain. Therefore, when we have a doubt, they are going to be Tameh. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute why, how could they both shave, right, at the end of the process you said that they both have to shave, but only one of them really needs to shave, and we know that it's problematic for a man to shave his head completely um, uh, there is a verse in the Torah that says lo to kifu peat right, roshchem, you're not allowed to shave your head, and lo tashchit you're not allowed to remove the corners of your beard. We're gonna get back to that in a minute. Um, So the Gemara suggests one opinion is, oh, we're talking about women or children, right? Women and children do not have a prohibition from shaving their heads. So all you women, if you wanna shave your head, you can. There's no prohibition um, or a child. Um, So the Gemara says, well, wait a minute. Um, but to shave a child, uh, meaning if a man who has a prohibition to shave, uh, might be, it might be problematic, even if he's only shaving a child. Um, so the, the Gemara says that, um, right, really maybe you are impure, uh, sorry, you have transgressed if an adult male shaves a child, uh, and from here, there's actually a pretty terrible story. Um, um, I mean, I'll tell you because it's there. But uh, basically, Ravhuna says that his ah, because it's problematic for him to shave his son's head. Um, it seems I, I, it's not clear to me. I, I guess everyone shaved their heads in those days. It wasn't clear, maybe because of lice. Um, but uh, the, so the Rav Adabar Avas asks him. Who shaves your kid's heads, right, because you're not allowed to? So he says, oh, my wife does it. Uh, and then basically, uh, Rav Adabar Ava felt that that was also prohibited uh, because you are not allowed to, again, even if it's a minor, uh, she shouldn't be shaving his head. Um, and basically cursed uh, the – basically, Rav Huna and his family, uh, and says that um you know you, your children basically should die, uh, and uh, a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, and actually, that's what happens. And I think it's just a terrible story. First of all, uh, let me just be clear: the Gemara is very critical of this story. Uh, the The Gemara does not see it as a problem, uh, and the Gemara meaning of. That the wife shaved the head of the kids. Um, the Gemara is very critical of Rav Adabar Ava cursing Rav Huna and his family. Uh, it is a terrible thing. And I think that here the Gemara is trying to say, uh, again, as we've said before uh, many times, one must be very careful with the words that they use, right? Even if you don't mean something, uh, if you say things, and definitely in the time of the Gemara, again, I'm not sure if literally or figuratively uh their words have power uh and therefore when Bar Barava makes this curse it actually comes true uh so I think here uh the Gemara is trying to teach us be very careful with what you say uh because you never know the effects that it will have uh but really a terrible story um and the last thing for today is uh the the this idea of shaving um, the head of a man is a prohibition, um, and it's connected to a beard. Therefore, anybody who can grow a beard is not allowed to shave their head, but anyone who does not grow a beard, i.e. women or children, uh, they do not have the prohibition of shaving their head. Um, So with that, uh, we end today's uh, today's DAF. We might even be, I'm not sure if we finish next week or the week after, but I think uh, we might uh, we might be finishing next week. Uh, I have to look at my calendar, uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, I see we have a few minutes left, so if anybody has uh, any questions, uh, I'm happy to answer them. Uh, yes. What happened to the two-witness requirement? What's with the one witness deciding if someone is impure or not? Ah, that is an excellent excellent question excellent um here um it is not in a court um so so because it's not in a court um it's not seen as real testimony it's more saying oh i saw something happen to you and you definitely want to know about it because it affects your status um so that is an excellent question um, so it does have bearing on your status. It would not have bearing in court. So, yeah, excellent question. Thank you. Yeah. Any other any other questions? Yes, I have one. Yeah. Uh, it's not very well formulated, uh, but it has been on my mind for a while. I remember the Talmudic story. I think it was Rabbi Yochanan, someone who'd lost 10, 10 children, and uh, carried around a bone the size of bar a barley seed, um, in order to ch- to show others that he has uh, proof of this horrible suffering. In case he needed to counsel others about suffering, and all of that is just to say I'm very confused about whether that made him tame or not, or if that you know I just wondered. <laughs> Any ideas? Interesting. Interesting. I I definitely remember the story. Um, It could be that maybe it was maybe smaller than a barley seed. Uh, If it is smaller, uh, it would not convey impurity. Um, So that might be an issue. Uh, That might be the the case. Um, It could also just be that Um, Again, it's post-temple, and therefore, even though in general it's not good to uh, constantly be impure, um, it is less problematic because, uh, in essence, we're all basically um, impure. Uh, So it could be that – again, I'm not sure, but it could be – it's less problematic just because he wasn't a Kohen, uh, and it's not in the time of the temple. So maybe that's what it was. Uh, but also another terribly tragic story. Thank you. Okay. Chodesh Tov. Yes, Chodesh Tov (laughs) this week. uh, Tomorrow night and Thursday are uh, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which means two weeks till Pesach. Uh, Very (laughs) crazy, but exciting. Uh, So really wishing everyone a Chodesh Tov, a wonderful week. uh, And see you next week, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure.